0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Craig on today's Australian Open Round 3 catch-up.
0: Well, number one, Igor Sviante crashes out to 19-year-old Noskova.
1: Nori keep British hopes alive with victory over Rude.
0: And Djokovic is the first man to play 100 matches at all four slams.
1: Chris, today is the 20th of January and we are here to catch up on the third round action from the Australian Open here at Tennis Weekly HQ. We're actually recording as play is still ongoing. We've got Svitolina and Zverev on court as we speak and we've just witnessed the Svyontek-Noskova match which has seen world number one and top seed Svyontek out uh, in the third round. Uh, So we've got loads to get our teeth into very exciting day for tennis um what have you thought so far
0: it's all go isn't it kim what a time to be recording i can't i can't get over it i think we actually postponed recording so that we could get that noskova result against iga i know that you're a big noskova fan so we both had kind of very vested interest in that match so can't wait to talk to you more about that but i mean it's still going and it's quite fun i always love it when we're recording as players on we get a little update, like Spitalina took the first set, and we'll keep you posted as to how those matches continue,
1: yeah, exactly, yes, i waking up to see Shrion taking in a bit of a battle was perhaps not a massive surprise, but certainly a great one for you know breakfast time in the u k put the tennis on and see a bit of a battle there but um before we do get into it, Chris, we do have some very exciting news about our crowdfunder. We've hit well not only hit, we have surpassed our crowdfunder target incredible 2100 pounds wow. um raised on there so we just wanted to say a massive thank you yet again for everyone who's donated um whether recently or previously you know we've been overwhelmed by the generosity from our listeners so thank you so much because it does help us keep going and allows us to do what we love and record podcasts all about tennis for our wonderful listeners um it is still open so if you would still like to donate and add to the celebration um if we haven't got round to it yet then it does close just at the end of January. So still plenty of time if you do want to make a contribution. But thank you so much for everything we've uh, received so far. We really do appreciate it.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I think um, that's our highest ever crowdfund. So that's really, really amazing. And uh, thank you to everybody. Um, In other uh, good news... Uh, You may know, we may have mentioned it before, but we are a finalist in the Sports Podcast Awards. Uh, Last year, we finished runner-up, and we'd like to go one better with your help. So if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you could vote for us um, to win this time. Um, The deadline is the 28th of January, and the link is in our description and in our bio on social media. So pause the podcast. Kim, I'm announcing pause the podcast. You've got time. Vote and then come back and we can tell you all about what happened in the Noskiva sviantek match. But uh, the deadline for that one is the 28th of January. So if you don't pause it now, there's still time.
1: <laughs> yeah, no pressure. But um, let's get on to that Sviantek-Noskova Shri- match because uh, Linda Noskova has indeed taken out Iga Sviantek. She came from a set down as well, which is very impressive to not get disheartened dropping that first set. You know, first time on, on a big court against, you know, top seed. And she came back and six three six four in those last two sets to, to cause her upset. She's through to the fourth round of a slam for the very first time. She's ended Sviontek's win streak, which actually went all the way back to September of last year. So it's been months since Sviontek has lost a tennis match. And uh, yeah, Linda Noska, we knew she had form. We knew she was one to watch, reaching the semifinals of, of Brisbane recently. But I don't know... <sighs> Did did we think she could go all the way and get this win, Chris? What do you think?
0: Well, I think a, a couple of um, the members of the podcast did predict her to go all the way. But, I mean, when we saw the draw, we were all looking at those first two rounds when there could be an upset alert. With Kennan in the first round, second round it could have been Kerber or Collins. Collins was, I mean, looking like she was set for the win, I think, at 4-1 up. And um, normally, when you see these sort of players... Um, in these tough situations after that they get these tricky first few rounds out of the way and then they just excel and keep kind of going forward especially when they've been down you know I think Kerber won Wimbledon from a match point down we've seen that with Serena previously it's almost quite freeing that they're on borrowed time and they just think you know what this is all a a bonus but in this match it felt like she didn't have more confidence in the fact that she had turned that one around last time and none of us thought out of the first three rounds that Noskova would be necessarily the opponent but or the opponent that would rumble her
1: yeah precisely I thought once Fiante got through that the Collins battle that it would um yeah give her that that extra edge I think you know because the rest of her draw was you know was looking very tough possibly Ostapenko or or Azarenka then Svitolina so it was not going to get much easier but I did think that having come through those first two she would kind of progress through but yeah, Noskova. I mean, they had played before last, I think, July it was. take getting the better of her there uh, in straight sets. But, you know, she's clearly started the 2024 season, a, you know, a step up from where she was last year, which was pretty much her kind of opening season on the tour. And even last year, you know, she reached two, two tour finals and um, had some wins over top 10 players. But, yeah, really fantastic stuff. You know, she kept her nerve. Like, there's a lot of breaks in that last set. It was kind of up and down, but, you know... Linda just didn't seem phased. She was very calm on court, which impressed me with her her mentality. We saw, you know, Blinkova the other day trying to get over the finish line with her and it was all a bit edgy, but Noskova just seemed much more um, level-headed, I guess, uh, and confident about her game today.
0: Yeah, she did. And the most impressive thing was that when I switched on this morning, it was 6-3-3 all, I believe, and Noskova was actually facing break points. Um, and then she came back from that situation... And won the next two sets. And she kept a very level head, um, especially after being broken back, having been up an early break in that third set. And that's really the thing that was most impressive about it, is that when you um, do start to get those thoughts racing about victory and this amazing result that you could have, that she was able to keep a level head even when Svantec was fighting back. And I think the key for me uh, in these moments was that her serve really um, helped her, especially the fact that she hit 10 aces in this match and just two double faults. Um, And she won 73% of first serve points, one with a percentage of first serves in of 70%. So um, a lot of server stats there, but that really shows that in the key moments, and we've seen this with so many of the great players, their serve can really help them. Um, And especially, I think it was to go to 30 all when she was serving for it, she slammed down an ace and you need those three points, especially when you start to get maybe a little bit tight off the ground. So very assured for a 19 year old, so impressive. And I kind of think maybe we should have, put a little bit more attention on her because a lot of people have picked kind of Andreva to go on a very deep run here as a teenager. Um, but she actually took her out in straight sets in the quarterfinal of Brisbane at the start of this year. So, you know, Noskova is clearly in form. She did go out to Rabakina, but there's no shame in that, especially if you weren't bagel by Rabakina in Brisbane like Sabalenka was. So super impressive. And you have to think that if she's able to keep kind of a level head, that she's going to be very inspired by this victory. But the question I have, Kim... Will she fall to the same fate as some of the other players who score sort of these big upsets and then go out? Like we saw Clara Burrell um, take out Jesse Pagula and then she bowed out in the next round. We've seen Blinkova with a fantastic performance. Then she goes out in the next round um, to a a rather unhelded opponent in comparison. Um, Will Noskova be able to back this up, do you think?
1: Well, she's up against Azarenka next, um, who got the better of Ostapenko. Um, Azarenka actually has a very good head-to-head over Ostopenko. Although when they recently played, they had a fantastic match. But today it was straight sets. So I think, yeah, I'm still edging. um, I still think Azarenka's going to get that one, actually. Because I do feel like there is this big win come down. We see it so many times. You get that big win over the top seed. And then, you know, you just kind of can't quite bring the same. Or people are expecting more of you. They think, oh, you can go on a bit of a run. So you feel a bit more pressure. And Asarenka you know, two-time former champion. Yes, that was quite a few years ago now, but she um, has been, I think, back to the semi-finals Semis of last the tournament year. Since yeah. then, she's playing in good form too. So I'm not sure how far Nos- Noska's going to go. I'm just cautious of making like overly ambitious <laughs> predictions. And obviously, your pick of Svitolina, if she's in this section of the draw, uh, you predicted her to win. So that's that's still looking that's still looking quite a healthy prediction as well at the moment. So let's see. But I think you know what we have. Yeah, what we have witnessed today, though, um, I didn't realise this in terms of like how long it's been, but it's the first, well, it's the earliest loss of a number one seed at the Australian Open since 1979. So it doesn't happen very often here at at this tournament, which actually does surprise me because I feel like we've seen, you know, former champions lose the first round, you know, when they come to defend their title. But, you know, this is for the number one seed, so... Um, yeah not very often that this happens but we have seen it happen today uh, so well done Linda Noskova I'm still wondering if Joel meant Linda Noskova when he predicted Linda Frivertova but I
0: think he could have meant Linda Frivertova Brenda Frivertova or Linda Noskova I think it was all of them he knew an, <laughs> one of those players one of those young talented Czech players was going to do something incredible but just one more word on kind of the Sri Tech match where does Igor go from here because I think obviously she had a great enter last season. She a very similar situation at the start of last year where she went out to Rabakina kind of quite comfortably in the fourth round. This was a, a quite a bigger surprise for her. Um, it's not the sort of match you'd expect her to lose and it's not a match that the number one seed has lost in the Australian Open, as you say, since 1979. How do you think this will kind of affect her? And should we read too much into this or was this just kind of an inspired performance from Noskova and eager, not necessarily having, you know, a lights out day?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's a bit of both. I think there's certainly areas of Iga's game where she still needs to do some development work. And, you know, obviously you've got to um, keep improving and developing, even if you are world number one and have won a couple of Grand Slams. You know, she really, this does seem to be getting a bit of a a bogey tournament for her, I think, you know. um, And obviously she's not done, she's not gone super deep at Wimbledon either. So these two tournaments are like her biggest focus now. I mean, I'm sure she'll be pleased to get back on the, the clay of roland garros in a few months time where you know she still will be the overwhelming favorite i'm sure for for that tournament um and i can totally see her getting back onto you know the hard court swing that we have dubai you know the sunshine double i can see her racking up titles there i don't think this is going to derail her season or anything like that I'm, i think she'll just need to take the time out to um to process it and understand what went wrong and then work on those elements that just leave her vulnerable to to the likes of Anoskva kind of coming through and taking the win.
0: Yeah it's not panic stations is it we've seen it before and then she backed it up at the French Open and she won in Doha last year and one of the most dominant displays that we've seen on the tour losing you know I think it was under 20 games or so 18 games across the tournament so she does bounce back well and I think even just watching her leave the court I thought it was uh, very kind of different from you know how hard she might have taken some defeats previously you know she seemed very very together i think working with like a sports psychologist who travels with her really helps and she's got a great mindset that it, this doesn't stop her achieving greatness the next time she steps onto the tennis court
1: yeah exactly no and i, I think yeah I, I agree with what you just said there chris i don't think it's if you're a big eager fan it's no reason to uh to panic um but you know it's exciting that we've got like you said young czech players not just Czech, but we've got quite a lot of young players in this draw, like with Andreva um, starting to make a name for themselves on the wider stage as well. And from that, we go to a player who has also caused a bit of an upset today, who I don't think anyone would have predicted. That is Nuno Borges of Portugal, who has knocked out Grigor Dimitrov, uh, one of our set picks, and the Brisbane champion, who was very much in form. Uh, Borges has knocked him out in four sets in the third round getting that last set on the on a tie break and becomes only the second portuguese man or woman to get through to the fourth round at a grand slam after zhao Sousa what did you make of this i did not see this one coming I, I saw that borges had knocked out um adf in the last round but i wouldn't have predicted him to to beat dimitrov uh in this fashion
0: i'm just racking my brains for adf is that Davidic Fakino? Yes, sorry. Yes. Okay. Sorry Just for the checking. acronym you said. <laughs> Just checking. I was like, who did he take out? But no, yeah, he hadn't dropped a set coming into this. And I think that was something that Joel shared with us. And we, we kind of had gone under the radar. And I think the story had gone under the radar. And a lot of people definitely would not expected this upset today. I think they thought third round, you know, very nice that he's made it to this round. But maybe his time was up. Um, And a lot of our kind of collector set players thought that Dimitrov kind of going off the back of what's been such a successful last sort of five months for him, a great start to the year, that he would potentially have a deep run here. You know, he got that result in the first week of the season, had a week off, hit the Australian Open, and you just thought maybe this would be a quarterfinal potential for him um, or that he could kind of spring an upset. But the upset was sprung on him. And I mean, it's unbelievable given the fact that um, Borges, I think it's only the second time that he's won uh, two matches um, at this level on the tour. So he, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, especially doing this at a Grand Slam, having not previously been able to do that at tour level. I mean, he's a, a real staple of the Challenger Tour. So this is, I mean, no one could have picked it. Um, and a lot of us didn't pick it in collector set.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's up to 56 in the live rankings, is Borja. So he's clearly having the 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 best peak of his career. I think he'll be at his career high ranking after this but yeah just there's always someone that comes out of the blue doesn't really have you know prior form or like not form that we and, would and be a bit more mature as into. well there's
0: always someone in australia who's like not necessarily the young gun but there's always someone who's a bit of a, a not a wild card officially but a
1: journeyman or yes exactly you know, journey person yes. yeah and i mean good on him good on exactly. portugal they, they don't produce many top players you know xiao Salzer is probably the only other portuguese player i could realistically name and uh so <laughs> i think it's great to put portugal on the on the tennis map yeah with, and I've, uh, I've just with checked this as victory. well so
0: with this victory up to 47 in the live rankings but it does kind oh. of ask the question slightly if you aren't able to win kind of back to back matches on the tour how on earth are you in the top 50 um when you've only done it well. twice so maybe a big big tournament player or you know a challenger sort of the caspar rude of the challenger tour <laughs>
1: Could he be the Aslan Karatsev of 2024, maybe? Ooh,
0: honestly, I think it's as fun to say as Aslan Karatsev. So maybe it will be a case that um, he'll, he'll keep going because, I mean, he sprung so many surprises. Why can't he do one more, Kim?
1: Yeah, well, uh, one player who uh, didn't have a have an upset or a surprise on court today was Daniel Medvedev. He got an early night, which I'm sure he'll be pleased about because he came through in straight sets over Felix OJ Eliassine. Very... Very par for the course this match, um, without any sort of bells and whistles really. And uh, Medvedev, yeah, not going to three forty in the morning this time to to finish his tennis match. I'm sure he will be delighted about.
0: I was also thinking maybe because you know he's got a little daughter. Maybe the way they're working the routine out is that he does the nights. You know, so when he gets back, he's the one who, if the baby cries, he'll look after the baby because um, he's already up he's know. already up you know so energized well. exactly exactly um different sleep cycles might aid parental child care at that sort of time maybe.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's what the tournament organizers were thinking maybe about. Maybe he requested Players it. Players doing don't their think child duties <laughs> on top. <laughs> um, oh, live updates. Vitalina has won against Golly Bitch, So uh, she's through.
0: Fantastic. So, well done, Chris. Your Thank prediction's you. still
1: intact. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at what happened in the day session today. Um, we had a uh, very sort of Straightforward match of Carlos Alcaraz against uh, Zizhen Shang. He had to retire uh, after two and a bit sets, uh, only having won two games. So Alcaraz barely broke a sweat in, in that match. He's had a very sort of straightforward path through has Alcaraz, but I don't think we've, he's had to play his best tennis. We haven't seen the best of him. So I'm thinking, you know, he's going to need a test at some point if he wants to excel at the latter stages. Um, he will actually play, I think, Miramir Kekmanovic next who has come through in slightly more epic fashion today in a fifth set saving two match points over Tommy Paul uh, it's actually the second round in a row that he saved uh, match points to, to win so Kekmanovic getting the job done in difficult fashion um, but yeah it was it was quite convincing in the fifth set though six love but uh that that tie break in the fourth he uh had to edge his way past Tommy Paul Kekmanovic Chris Kikmanovich, do you think he can challenge Alcaraz, or is he just going to be like completely? You know, Alcaraz will be so much fresher. His Kikmanovich's court time must be considerably longer than than Carlos's.
0: Yeah, it's very hard to know, especially when you've been on court so long. I think you could do, and we'll talk about this later, at Manorino and play three five setters in a row to work your way to the fourth round. And I mean, there's only one one set off if you get a four set second round match, or maybe first round match. Um, but the rest have been five sets for Ketmanovic and they've been, you know, match points. So, I mean, it's very impressive that he's able to kind of pull through and actually Tommy Paul, who hasn't been as tested throughout this tournament, clearly run out of steam in that final set, um, where it was a bagel, which you wouldn't expect from the, from, you know, the the higher ranked player. So obviously his fitness is there. Obviously he's able to keep going the distance in these matches. Um, And you have to think he's going to have to be aggressive if he's going to get it done, I don't think you'd want to go five sets against Alcaraz. Um, and those first sets will be super important. They always are against a top player. Um, but for Alcaraz, I mean, I think that's uh, that Sonogo match. Obviously it was quite tight. There were some tie breaks in there. It wasn't five sets though. Um, he he wasn't here last year either. So he does need some time on some of these courts, I think. And Ketmanovic is not someone you want to play necessarily. Um, if you haven't had much time playing, because you saw him at the Davis cup live against, I think Jack Draper, and maybe you saw him play another time. And I mean, he really is a very talented player who sort of went off the radar a bit, and maybe he's going to be coming back up into the seedings, but where do you see that match going?
1: Yeah, he's a very talented player. I think he certainly is absolutely good enough to be, you know, top 30 seeded consistently. It's just putting that consistency together on the tour. Um, yeah, he was very very solid against Jack Draper when we saw him, frustratingly so uh, for, for British fans. But and clutch, I can right? see him. Yeah. Oh yeah. There was two tie... two very close tie breaks. and um, so yeah, great clutch tennis. And I think spending that time as part of the Davis Cup team with, with Djokovic, you know, that's only going to hopefully rub off well on on your game. Spending so much time with with Novak, um, I can see him challenging Alcaraz to some extent. But I do think surely those that the, the long matches will inevitably get to a point um where I think if it goes long with Alcaraz you know Carlos is going to come through even though we haven't seen the best of him on these courts before you know his let's give him a chance he'll be showing it one day but um you know never say never never say never but I do think Alcaraz will get the better of him um Other sort of interesting results on today. We mentioned Azarenka had beaten Ostapenko. I thought that would be a bit closer than it actually was. It was straight sets in the end. I was expecting it to be kind of a three-set tussle. But Azarenka did really well, I think, early on to kind of make her mark. And then, you know, 7-5 in the second set. But she kind of kept Ostapenko at bay, really took her opportunities when she got them. So she's, I think, was delighted to come through in straights. Uh, and avoid a long, a long battle. Uh, she's got Jastremska next, who is uh, who's qualified here and uh, is through to the fourth round at a slam for for many, many years. So that's nice to see Jastremska back um, at this stage because it has been, I think, since Wimbledon 2019 that we've we've not seen her at this stage of a slam. She came through against Emma Navarro in three sets, um, and Chris. Who else do we have? Oh, Quin Wen Zheng, who we both have predicted in this tournament to at least get to the quarters. She has edged past her countrywoman Yafan Wong, who took Emma Raducanu out the other day. This was 7-6 in the third set, 10-8 on the tie break uh, to come through. So, really close match. Uh, The two Chinese players really lighting up Rod Laver uh, earlier in the day. And uh, nice touch. Zheng also got to meet Li Na afterwards, who is the I think the last Chinese player that that obviously went deeper so I'm winning this tournament 10 years ago I think it was.
0: Yeah, incredible. And um I mean I was thinking so whichever way that went was Lina going to go and meet them but it was very very familiar it was the first time they've met apparently and um Lina actually gave her a slap on the bottom as a greeting while she was doing press so that was um very unconventional um is that a
1: chinese greeting
0: i honestly don't know but she seemed queen run Zhen did not see him at all face by and seemed very very pleased to see her so um people were saying lovely scenes and i'm like it's a bit unusual it's more of a a funny scene than a lovely scene um in my mind but i mean again it shows you the level that wong played against radicani because having watched that match um and obviously i wasn't kind of giving the analysis last time on the pod for it but i thought both players really had a very high level kind of throughout that match and I was so impressed with some of the shot making. And so this was a big hitting match um, and very similar in terms of their playing style, going for first strike tennis. That was very much the case in that match with Emma as well. So I think there's no shame in Emma's loss at all. Not that there would be if you give your best in a performance, but um, I was not expecting, I don't think a lot of us were expecting kind of um, this to be as close given kind of the discrepancy there is kind of between the rankings and the form book. Um, But again, this is a big opportunity because now after the elimination of the world number one, um, Zhang is now, the, I think this is right, Kim, correct me if I'm wrong, the highest ranked player in the top half of the draw, a high seeded at number 12. So what an opportunity for a Chinese player to kind of emulate and go deep like Lina has done previously. It's um, it's the opportunity is there and it's hers to take, is it Kim?
1: Yeah, well, let's hope she fully embraces that opportunity because, you know, she's the 12th seed. She's been on, on our radar for a while, she's been kind of progressively working her way up um she is kind of considered what you know one of the kind of rising stars and it's been a while since China have had a a player go deeper a slam to be honest and I think you know ten years on from Lina, maybe it's you know maybe it's it's the right- the right time so um but yeah, I think it was a great showcase for like Chinese women's tennis today what we saw. With her match uh, against her countrywoman, so uh, we'll see how far she goes. Um, and that brings us on to some other matches. Uh, we out on the Kia Arena earlier. We had Arthur Caso against Talon Griegspoor. Uh This is an interesting one. Caso, we talked about, um, we mentioned the other day because he beat Holger uh, Rune uh, to, to knock out, you know, Danish hope. Uh, and Kazo's backed that up uh, with a straight sets win over Talon Grigspoor, who is actually the 28th seed. Um, it's very unusual. You know, we were talking earlier about how players get big wins. They don't back it up. But Kazo has well and truly done that. And in convincing fashion, uh, he's the first wild card from anywhere to make the fourth round at the Australian Open since 2012 when Leighton Hewitt did it. So um, that's really great. It's only 21. What What a great start to your kind of grand slam career.
0: Yeah, I mean it's incredible and uh, a lot of the talk has been around especially when we had the wild card chat with Rodinova missing out as the Australian number 1 was these reciprocal wild cards and for people who don't know about this the different slams have kind of this sort of deal where a wild card is awarded to a player from that country so Australia has one with France for the French Open um and that's very much something that does exist in between those tournaments there's also um, similar with the US and the French Open. So this is kind of a scheme that kind of exists, but it doesn't necessarily exist for Wimbledon. It's not how that works. So um, it's to kind of guarantee that there will be different players that will appear in the Australia um, and in kind of France and in the US Open. But the thing that's a bit funny about it is that it doesn't necessarily always lend itself to a player who is very kind of highly ranked, but misses the opportunity because there are so many highly ranked French players, so many highly ranked Australians and Americans that kind of this goes to a bit of a, I mean, truly the wildest of wild cards. I think there's been a lot of criticism because I think only on three occasions, I think in the last like 19 years or something, have players who've received this wild card from France actually won a match in Melbourne. So this is kind of going against that completely because Arthur's also, he's ranked outside the top 200. And so you wouldn't necessarily expect him to, you know, get this sort of win. So I think it's so impressive and I think it kind of needed that because it does seem like it's a bit of an outdated scheme otherwise and it is exactly for this sort of opportunity that a younger player might not have gotten from the traditional wild card system.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, a lot of people have, have like you said, been um, against this system because it denies perhaps more deserving players from elsewhere. But I think Casso is, is proving a bit of a point here. You know, I think the the defenders of this system will be glad that he's... Uh, made it through to the fourth round and uh we know, although the, the the odds are still against the wild card system you know he's the only person to have got this far really um so you know, the the numbers don't add up but you know whether whether they're going to think about changing the system or not this will be a you know ammunition in in those that like to keep the system in place
0: yeah exactly i think that's that is a good point to to kind of land on is that no one's gone this far who has had that wild card for 20 years? Um, and I'm not saying that every wild card is expected to make a big impact, but when you look at some of the names, you know, they've gone to people like Benoit Pett, Lucas Puy has had this, I think, four times. Um, and some of them were before his great run here, and some of them were after. Songa had one when he kind of wouldn't get a wild card at the time when he was kind of also coming back to the tour. And so it seems to be one where you kind of just put someone in that you wouldn't think would normally get there, but would be a good draw for crowds sometimes. Um, and it's kind of a well-known player who might, it might miss the mark in terms of the form book at the moment. So um, I think it's fantastic watching him play and some of the shot making and confidence. I mean, he didn't face a break point. I mean, it's unbelievable kind of how well he's playing and how much he's lifted his level. So, you know, her catch is next. You do, you're a bit of a fan of her catch and that could be, I mean, if I was her catch, it's, you wouldn't have seen this guy play and someone playing this well is really dangerous.
1: Yeah, I think that could be an interesting one. Um, but yeah, Herkatch coming through and you know into the fourth round, doing doing well. He's had a few long five setters, as a lot of tie breaks as well Has along the way expected. as he normally does. So um, I wonder if we'll see a few tie breaks with him and, and Kazo, especially if Kazo you know, wasn't broken today. He's also you know strong server. So let's see. It could be an interesting matchup. And um, Cam Norrie, let's talk about Cam Norrie before we go for a short break because. He uh, has beaten Casper Ruud today, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, you know, Norrie hasn't had the best of form of late. You know, he had to withdraw from Auckland, so we didn't see an awful lot of him um, coming in to the uh, the Australian Open. But yeah, Casper Ruud, four sets. Norrie got the job done. He's into the fourth round for the first time here at Melbourne Park. Um, what would you make of this, Chris? Did, were you expecting this at all from from Cameron Norrie?
0: I think we were definitely hoping, you know, after maybe a little bit of a letdown last season that he'd be able to kind of up his game again. I mean, this is almost the perfect draw at this stage. I mean, Casper hasn't traditionally had fantastic results in Australia. He hasn't actually prioritised it much until this year, I think, um, especially kind of having his off season after Australia last year because of his sort of um, global sort of tour. I think he went on with uh, Nadal at the time that we maybe not heavily criticised, but we did make it a little bit of fun of at the time um so i think it's a great draw and he he took the opportunity which is exactly what you want at this stage he had chances in that second set as well and then very assured coming through the the other set six four six four six three so um i think it's great you know he's made the last um 16 here for the first time and he's only going to get more chances i mean he might face zverev in the next round potentially i think that's a tricky matchup for zverev if that is what happens because the courts are playing pretty slow it's quite a slow ball um, Norrie makes it pretty tricky in terms of um you know the, that flat backhand that he has um and again i think he seems to be playing great tennis so why not think that he could go a bit further um but was he the was he the brit that we expected to have the deepest run here kim
1: no i was about to say all the hype was on jack draper wasn't I it know. so i feel like Captain Cameron Cameron trying to prove a point you know don't exactly. forget about me yeah i'm still here And higher ranked. So uh good on him. Well done, Cam. Let's see how far he can go. And uh yeah, it looks like that he will have Sverev. He's well, Sverev's setting a break up so far on Alex Michelson as we are recording this. Uh but we're gonna take a very quick break now, but do join us in the second half, where we'll be taking a look back on all the action from day six at Melbourne Park, as well as looking ahead to day eight. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast. And now we're going to move on to looking back at Friday, uh, day six of the Australian Open. We started uh, on the show courts with a double bagel from Marina Sabalenka. Um, six love, six love over Lesia Serenko. It was uh, a very dominant performance afterwards. She did actually face a break point in the opening game, but uh, obviously saved that and just dominated the rest of the match. She said she was inspired by the number of bagels that Iga Swiatek delivered uh last year on the tour. So perhaps perhaps this year, you know, Sabalenka's going to be chasing the 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 bagels opening her own bakery, Chris. What do you think?
0: You wouldn't bet against it. I mean, if you can deliver a double bagel at this stage of the tournament, you're obviously, I mean, seeing the ball like a football, I think. I would say, I mean, a question I'd also have based on his performance is she kind of the form player? Now, I think there was talk that, you know, Rebekina might be, Tech was also in the mix. People were talking about an awful lot um, after that United Cup performance, which was so dominant. And it almost felt like that result of kind of getting bageled herself by Rabakina in Brisbane has kind of spurred her on to really up her level and made, kind of made her realise where she needs to be in order to get the result that she wants and defend this title. Because, I mean, 52 minutes, six love, six love... I mean, it's just obviously everything's working. Returns are working, serves working, getting the job done. She hasn't dropped a set so far. And I mean, there are a few question marks. And I think she just really wants to make that statement that it wasn't a one-off and she should have probably won, if we're being completely honest, the US Open. I think she did choke quite a bit in that match. And um, I think she wants to make the point and she wants to get the title again. So, Kim, is Sabalenka the player to beat the form player of the tournament so far, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think so. But I think Coco Goff is right up there as well. She's been looking really good. She's had a fairly easy draw in all honesty. Uh, she beat Alicia Parks 6-2, love six two, very, very dominant a- again today. So she hasn't really been tested. She's got Magdalena Freck in the fourth round who beat, beat Caroline Garcia uh, in the second round. And I, I think Coco Goff will come through that comfortably. So I think both of them are the sort of two I'm, I'm looking at. Uh for the most likely for the the title now that uh you know we've seen Shvionta Rabakina out, but um yes yeah, Abalenka she's she is in imperious form it seems uh but I, I'd like to see her up against you know a proper test both her and Goff so uh, let's see when we get there uh, we also saw. Stefano Sitspas come through today. Uh sorry, yesterday, I should say. Can't work out what what day of the week it is, Chris. Uh Stefano came through, as did Taylor Fritz. So they are due to meet uh tomorrow, um, in the fourth round. Uh Sitsipas came through in straights over Luca Van Ash. And um, Taylor Fritz came through against Oh, who did Taylor Fritz play?
0: Marishan.
1: Oh, Fabian Marishan. Yes. Sorry. I, uh, I lost track of the draw that I was trying to work out who's there. Um, But yeah, both of them are through. Sits Pass, you know, I've got him in my quarterfinal and um, against Djokovic. And I think you guys were a bit like, oh, he's got injuries, you know, blah, blah, blah. We saw him withdraw with injury beforehand. But I don't know. He's very solid here. And he seems to be playing through and... I think we kind of should probably just stop talking about injury concerns at this point, because I think he uh, he seems to be ploughing through quite comfortably. So I, I hope that if he does meet Djokovic, he's going to, you know, be able to challenge him. You know, I'd love to see a, a proper good sits pass match again. It's been a while since I think we've seen him produce some some top level stuff.
0: Yeah, and I, I've always thought with Sidsapas that you have to take these injury concerns with a pinch of salt because I think the same was last year. I think people weren't really picking him. He did talk about not having the best preparation in the off season. again, made the final. And I think now people are starting to kind of completely shift their opinion from thinking that maybe he wasn't going to Um, Get to the quarterfinals, and this tough draw would kind of stop him in his tracks. And now it looks like maybe he is going to set up that Djokovic match. And people like Nick Kyrgios are even predicting that he might win the title now. So there's been a a big change in opinion. And I think ultimately, only he will know how affected he is by the result. It seems like maybe he's more affected by the fact he's not starting with high energy. And he said that he made a real effort of him and his team to be high energy from the start um, in this match. And it seemed like he kept that momentum because sometimes he does have that sort of look where he's just trudging around the court a little bit and, and not necessarily high energy. I'm not saying you have to be, but it doesn't necessarily lend itself to a three-setter. It kind of lends itself more to a difficult five-setter um, and getting it done the hard way. And I think he just wants to breeze through some of these clashes. But, I mean, Fritz is a tough one. I think this is where Joel has Fritz to make the quarterfinal. You have sit to pass. Um, how confident are you feeling ahead of that clash? Well,
1: last year they met at the same stage. and um, Oh, no, not last year, 2022. Uh, again, I keep thinking, what year are we in? What day of the week? What day? Are we in? What, what year? Yeah. They met here two years ago, and uh, Sitzpas got the better of um, got the better of Fritz there. So I, I just feel like, yes, yeah, Sitzpas at this tournament, he seems to play very well down under, especially, and it seems to come through even when you're not particularly expecting it. So I'm still going with Sitzpas, but we'll see. He does have a winning head to head over Fritz. So far, but whoever does make it through is likely, I would say, to meet Novak Djokovic because he came through in straight sets over Thomas Echeverry. You know, we were debating in the last pod about whether Echeverry would prove to be, you know, maybe Novak's like toughest test. I mean, he's had, you know, two two fourth sets uh fourth set matches to kind of open his campaign some difficulties on route but he he stepped it up a bit for this one he showed kind of the best form that we've seen of him so far this week uh straight sets you know even the tie break was was quite comfortable so he's he's on course he's kind of back where we expected him to be and he has got adrian manorino next who no offense to manorino you know i don't see him defeating Djokovic. Um so I think it will definitely be Djokovic in that quarter awaiting either six pass or Fritz. Um but credit to Manarino. He came through against Ben Shelton in five sets. Uh he's played a lot of five sets this week, but he's made it through to the fourth round. And um, you know, he's having really a great sort of twilight of his career. Third, he, up
0: to thirty five is when he won more of his titles and had some of his best results. And we've kind of not made well, we have made fun of it again. Um, we're kind of uh, being shown that, you know, the focus that we've given to him is actually probably a positive thing because he's up to 17 in the live rankings um, and he never made the top 20 before kind of he after he was 35. So it's kind of so impressive what he's doing. And I think showing the young guns that you can be just as fit and some of those questions about how long you can play, I think they're being answered by players like Manorino, um, Djokovic, obviously. And I think probably Djokovic quite likes the fact that there's some company in the over 35 club on the tour Because otherwise, it's pretty lonely. It's always him and the young guns that we see. Um, But in testament to just how long both of them have been playing, I mean, if you look at uh, Djokovic, he's won 100... Sorry, he's played 100 matches now at all four of the slams. Um, He's won 92 of his 100 matches in Australia, which is, I mean, scary numbers. But Kim, I've got a question for you. Which slam has Djokovic played the most matches at, would you say?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um... Well, surely Australia, if he's won it ten times, Ooh, but okay. he didn't play, did he? That year he was deported, so. Um, and it's not a full uh, yeah. See he was deported. It's amazing we just throw that sentence in <laughs> as though it's normal,
0: but it, it's not. Nothing was normal about that. Yeah.
1: One year he didn't play the U.S. because I think of the COVID restrictions.
0: So you're saying it's between so I'm going and Wimbledon.
1: I think Wimbledon. Okay. You know, he's won it so many times. Well, I and... will say that
0: you've done a pretty good job. It was actually the French Open. He's played 108 oh. matches. And then for the other ones, it's 103 for Wimbledon, 101 for the US Open. So well done for discounting that. And 100 for Australia. Because if he probably had played in those other two tournaments, you would expect the US Open maybe in, in um, Australia to be above that. So, yeah. But, I mean, very impressive that no one else has been able to, I mean, play that many matches, especially given the fact he skipped quite a few Grand Slams and more than, more than most have. So... Um, I'm sure that Manorino has played a lot of matches, but I'm not sure that he's necessarily won as many as Djokovic has at the Grand Slam stage, that's for sure.
1: No, but uh, yeah, well done Manorino. And um, I guess looking at, you know, who is likely to pose the most threat to Djokovic in his half of the draw, we do still have Yannick Sinner in the tournament. He's come through very comfortably this week. We haven't really spoken at great length about him because he's just been getting the job done uh which I think is kind of just what you want to do uh he uh, pretty much dominated uh Sebastian Baez yesterday six love six one six three uh you know he's just kind of solidly making his way through not expending I think too much time on court as well so hopefully staying quite fresh um do you still see him as the main the main contender to challenge Djokovic? Well,
0: I mean, he was my pick to win the title. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. But I also think you know, he hadn't played before he came to Australia. And he's just got better as the tournament's gone on. I mean, Botik van der Schulp is a, is a tough first rounder. Obviously a player who's been seeded before, who's had deep runs at slams. Um, so I think that was a, a great result. And since then, I mean, he's just got better and better. Baez is not necessarily a hard quarter. So I think a third round for him in Australia is a pretty good result. Um, And so Sinner, it's a really good matchup for him there. I think very much a tougher opponent in Kachanov, who we know can really turn it on at the slams. But in terms of Sinner's performance, you couldn't ask for more. Again, we could ask the same question. It's only fair to ask the same question that we asked around Alcaraz not being tested, really. Obviously, Alcaraz has been more tested by dropping a set um, against Sonigo. But does Sinner need a tough one in order to get himself... Um, a little bit kind of more prepared for some of those later moments in slam, in the sl- well, potentially later moments in this slam, not in the slams generally, or do you think he could just coast his whole way through in Sabalenka style?
1: Well, he will have a tougher test, I think, in the next round. He's got Karen Hatchinov, uh, who has come through against Thomas Machak uh, in five, no, in four sets, sorry, for four very tight sets. So, you know, Hatchinov, we know he's been at the semis uh, here before, We know that he, um, you know, on his day can produce lights out tennis. So I think this will be the sort of biggest test of Sinner's year so far. One I still expect. It's not saying much, though, is it? (laughs) Biggest
0: test of the year so far.
1: (laughs) Well, we haven't, like you said, he hasn't played any other tournaments. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think Sinner's still looking strong, you know, continuing that, that run from the end of last year. So yeah, I I, I hope we see Sinner going deep. I'd love to see what he can do up against Djokovic after they played, you know, quite a few times at the end of last year. I think that would be really fun to see. Um, In other news, uh, we also have Alex de Manor kind of cruising through comfortably as well. So we saw him, you know, at the Davis Cup end of last season as well. Uh six three, six three, six one over uh, Flavio Caboli, who was a, a qualifier. So, I mean, he he did well getting to to this stage. But um yeah, De very comfortable there. And he um uh, joining him is also Andre Rublev, uh who came through against Seb Corda. I thought that could be a, a closer one than it actually was, but Rublev getting the job done and uh putting to bed, I think, any of Corder's hopes in that second set tiebreak,
0: Definitely, and for Rublev, after what's been I mean, a bit of a nightmare start to the tournament in terms of that first round match, which went really down to the wire against Seabooth Wild. I think that's definitely something which he's done a more traditional path. When you get tested to that extreme, he's then shown a kind of impeccable form coming past. Eubanks is obviously someone who can do some damage at slams with his serve. Um, I think the balls here and the surface here probably isn't helping Eubanks, and a big server. Um, whereas kind of that, maybe that's affected Corda as well because he is... He, he has a big serve as well. So that could be one of the reasons for this, but Rublev really kind of did straighten the ship after that first round match. And it's going to be tough. I think we both, I think all of us had this as a fourth round clash, but we had different winners. I think you and I had gone for Diminar, is that correct? And Joel had gone for Rublev in this one. It's going to be, it's going to be close. They've had some very close matches in the past. And I just think it's very good that Diminar, a fourth round is not a disappointment in any way. And I think had that Rejnic match, been completed and had it gone a different way um, i think we'd all feel very bad for dimanar because it wouldn't be representative of his form or the hype before the tournament so good to see you safely through to the, the second week
1: yes i think that'll be a fun match between them two as well in the uh in the next stage um we also had anis amanda inisimova coming through against paula badossa so two players kind of making their comeback you know Anisimova has been out for about eight months for a mental well-being break she's back now and she is actually up against Sabalenka next. So I think that will be Sabalenka's like, toughest test so far. But I think it's nice to see Ennisamova back getting some wins. And obviously Bedosa, you know, she's been up highly ranked in the past, also kind of coming back from injury. So, you know, not an easy opponent there.
0: Well, very interestingly as well, I was going to say, Kim, that um, Sabalenka, Enesimova, that's uh, a, a clash that lots of people would think, oh, obviously Sabalenka would be the favourite there. But I remember that the first time that they played was actually in the 2019 Australian Open. And that was when Anisimova burst onto the scene and she just hit winners for fun that day. And she she won three and two. And I remember 2019, we were all thinking maybe this is the year that Sabalenka pushes on and gets a slam. Um, and obviously it took quite a lot longer for her to get there. But she won her first four matches against Sabalenka. In 2019, she won at the Australian Open. She also beat her... The French Open and then she had wins in 2022 in Charleston, Madrid, before Sabalenka finally got a win against her, and that was in Rome. So this is not as straightforward as you think. And the the thing that would give Sabalenka the edge is obviously the fact that she's more highly ranked and has had much more time on tour. But if you are someone coming back, this is almost one of your perfect head to heads. A big hitter seems to be someone who Amanda loves to play.
1: Yeah, a bit of a bogey woman then, by the sounds of it. So perhaps potential upset on the cards savalenka we'll see um but this will be going in i think without much pressure you know she's probably not expecting too much of herself in her first tournament or first slam back so i think yeah that could be an interesting one um before we look ahead to tomorrow as well really exciting heather watson and joe salisbury in the mixed doubles draw as alternates and they uh, played their opening round against former champions and won in straight sets so uh, British hopes going uh, in the mixed doubles as well. And and also we've got uh, men's doubles, of course. But yeah, good good for Heather and Joe there as alternates to come through.
0: Yeah, lovely to see Heather getting a win. I think she's had a pretty rough time down under. Um, and I think, to be honest, if I was kind of in Heather's camp, I would say play your mixed doubles at your slams and play doubles on at the bigger tournaments and maybe play qualifying at the bigger tournaments if you have a ranking for that. But I think doubles is where I've always seen Heather as being so talented and mixed doubles there's something about her taking on like a man's serve and, re- and returning some ground strokes she loves it and i think some players love it or some players hate it and they're a very very strong pair who i haven't seen played together before i think i've seen dart and salisbury make a final at wimbledon previously um so maybe it's time for heather to have another deep run in, in a slam and mixed doubles to add to that trophy cad- cabinet from wimbledon
1: yeah, she did win the mixed at Wimbledon. So yeah, that's that's and obviously Salisbury's won mixed before. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what they can do. Uh, so let's have a look at tomorrow's action. Uh, Rod Laver Arena, uh, we've got Coco Goff in action against Magdalena Freck, uh, Alex Minor rublev and Djokovic-Manarino as well. We've got on Margaret Court, we've got Anisimova and Sabalenka, Sinner, Hatchinov. Uh, John Kane, we've got Fritz Sitzba. so it's all happening. Uh, Andreva Kurchikova, oh, we haven't even mentioned Kruchikova. Um She's coming through, a very wily opponent. But what are you lo- most looking forward to in um, in the fourth round, Chris? Who's you got is, your eye this on? Is a
0: great question. If if I were to watch one match, and no, that's not the question you've asked. It's the question I'm asking of myself. I would have to say that. Sitsa past Fritz, I think would be particularly interesting because they both have a point to prove. Similar stage of their career. Um, I think that would be my top choice. And if I were to flick over, it would be for Anisimova Savalenka just to see... Get a temperature check on how that one's going, because if it is going well, I mean, you're going to see some of the best winners you've seen in tennis. But if it's not, it could be very one-sided. What about you?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think Inisimova Sabalenka is probably my pick. I also am curious to see if Maria Timofeva can continue her run, because she beat Hadad Maya, yeah. uh the other day. I think straight sets or something. It was very yeah, impressive. It took her a while. She was getting quite edgy and nervous at the end to get over the finish line. I saw a bit of that, but... Um, you know, she seems like a very pleasant young young player who's sort of trying to make her, her way through, um, you know, get up in the rankings. Fantastic and YouTube I'm, I'm...
0: channel as well. I must recommend it. It's very entertaining.
1: <laughs> so, and we know Costa, you know, obviously a, a very young, talented player as well that's sort of looking for a, going deep at a slam. So I think that could be an interesting one. And I'm just, yeah, hopefully I am I would like to see Andreva get the better of for as well because I'd love to see some of the young ones kind of come through deeper. Um I think she's got a lot more to give. But Krchikova can be an awkward opponent as we know, so well, she's made the fourth see. round
0: 3 years in a row here, which is something that not many people can do.
1: No. Well, well done, Barbora. Um, But for now, listeners, I do hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly Podcast. We'll be back, I think, on Monday to round up all the fourth round action of the Australian Open. Do remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action from Melbourne Park. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
0: And another reminder, if you did not pause the podcast, as suggested, to vote for us, then please do vote for us in the Sports Podcast Award. The link is in the description, and it's also pinned on our profiles on social media. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, X, TikTok, and YouTube. And the handle for all of those channels is Tennis Weekly Pod. You can purchase Tennis Weekly merch at etsy.com slash shop slash tennisweeklypodcast. You can email the show tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or do check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk.
1: And we'll be back on Monday at Tennis Weekly HQ for our round four Australian Open Catch-Up. So I do hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.